All right. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everyone. It's been quite some time since we've done more of a classical sort of uh, presentation from the one and only uh, Dan Winter. I'm very uh, grateful, uh, very honored, and very humbled that he's be, uh, willing to join us once again. Uh, so without further ado, Dan, sir, how you doing? And what are we looking at today? Because I genuinely don't, uh, don't know what we're looking at, and I usually prefer it that way. <laughs> well, hi, everybody knows I'm Dan Winter, fractalfield.com. And I'm here with Dave, Generation Z, and we've done a whole series. Uh, Dave and I have been discussing in depth some of the uh, <clears throat> Tom Bearden, gravity, physics, gravitobiology, and experiments there unto. And that led uh, <clears throat> also as a follow-up to a beautiful series of conversations we had with Elena Denon uh, about uh, Star Trek power, impulse, propulsion, how they fly, and how stargates and portals work. And in fact, Elena would have been with us today, except she's traveling uh, for the holidays, actually. But uh, so this is in part uh, dedicated to that work. So <clears throat> the title of today's song and dance <laughs> is The Serious Physics of Our Star Trek Future, uh, Portals, uh, Impulse, Warp Drive, and leading to what Enki really meant when he said the return of the grail in the blood, that's really the focus today that if, you know, <clears throat> I think it was actually my favorite joke about this is it was, uh, I think Randy Kramer, the, uh, we like him, a famous uh, SSP hero who once said, well, you know, there's tens of thousands of humanoid cultures in this galactic quadrant. And yeah, you know, maybe there's a few of them fighting, but basically it's mostly about trade <laughs> commerce, which is hardly surprising. And he said another interesting thing. He said, well, you know, uh, <clears throat> the, the, the ET seem to like to come to Earth because it's like visiting the Stone Ages. Oh, what a laugh. They're powering. They're running around in cars powered by dinosaurs farting. It's a museum. Ain't it cool? <laughs> right. Now, <laughs> there was another occupation he proposed for humans on Earth, which was apparently our beer is famous for the galaxy. The beer making on Earth is well respected. So <laughs> if if you want your kids to grow up and be a specimen in a Stone Age museum, then you don't need this course. <laughs> Dan, quick question, if I may, before you go on. Fantastic introduction, by the way. But with respect to, we've seen recently an announcement or a proposal of a theory of the um, the eye of the Saharan desert in Africa being the capital of Atlantis. There's some have that have said that you know Atlantis was the entire planet. Some have said it was just that. But the point is, is that what we're going to be looking at today, thanks to yourself, with uh, impulse warp drives, all of this, with things like the Alcubierre warp drive and other things people may have seen in like Star Trek be a form of some of that in which these beings can come and observe the Stone Ages over here? <laughs> well, you know, we think uh, we're going to be talking about Thoth Tahuti, uh, Enki science officer, the returning giant today. And we think Atlantis was in part named after Thoth as Thule. And uh, in fact, they traveled up and around uh, the, the curve of Africa on their way to Egypt. It's well described in the archaeological anthropo anthropological literature. So the eye of their journey, <laughs> there's really a, a traverse around the, the foci there. But on the other hand, uh, Alcubierre, we actually have a slide about that today, most particularly when we're discussing the serious physics of what they meant by warp drive, exactly which in short is a Kosky frost crystal. And, and so that, that then leads us to, to the next thought there, which was that, you know, when I was a kid, I bought a book called How Things Work. And I, I realized that I would be disempowered every time I use a gadget 
that I don't know the principle of how it works. So if if 90% of the gadgets you use in your life, you don't understand the simple principle behind it, that means you're becoming the Borg. <laughs> the, re the reason is because you can't feel it from inside out, the principle. If I could say, Dan, sorry to interrupt you, but with respect, could we say also, for example, this speaks to, and I'm not trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but <laughs> university students doing what's called quantum physics, a lot of people say, well, what are they working towards? What is the overall end game, right? If they don't really understand things like uh, potentials or complex numbers or whatever, ultimately, I forgot who it was that said it to me, but basically they're working towards a degree and nothing else. Whereas what you're speaking on, what I'm trying to pursue is that intuitive understanding of- Exactly. Of, right. Exactly. And in fact, the sense of meaning itself comes from the centripetal nature of the vortex because that's where all paths and errands meet. So once, see, because physics doesn't know why anything is centripetal, that's why they don't know why an object falls to the ground, but also that's why they don't know what warp and impulse drive is because they can't even visualize the cause of gravity. And that's, that is the central tragedy of our age, actually, and the central disempowerment. Because we're also saying if you knew what made a vortex implode, you would know the cause of consciousness. It's a plasma vortex tornado that forms in the center of your head, just like the children who can see without their eyes have described in detail. We know the physics of consciousness is that vortex. So by way of leading up to today's, and we've got a lot of visuals today, this is a very visual, which is fun, but to lead up to that, I'd like to suggest what it is the important thing to look for. So what we're saying is, if you understood one simple thing, which is what made any vortex implode and get centripetal, then you could understand the Star Trek future. I mean, the warp drive, the impulse power, the physics of consciousness, how consciousness drives spacecraft, how portals and stargates work. I mean, where you go after death and all the cool stuff. You only need to understand one thing, just one. And then it Dan, I, I'm, I, I couldn't agree with you more. This is super exciting, especially when you said Minkowski Frost Crystal, I believe. Um, that's, goes, that, yes. Rice, right. That That is exciting the heck out of me because I will say in my own personal studies of whether it's uh, loop quantum gravity, whether it's your work, whether it's the old, you know, I guess you could say some of the old timers from 30, 40 uh, years ago, 50 years ago it keeps leading back to that. There's no other, I've tried multiple avenues and it always leads back to that. There's no other explanation that I've found so far. There's no other, and there's no other meaning. Essentially, the origin of meaning itself is the negentropic mindfulness of an imploding vortex. So in a, in a sense, we, and this is where uh, you don't wanna join the Borg by operating gadgets, you don't know how they work. So you can't drive the Star Trek future unless for yourself, you, you can't, this isn't just a job for physicists. No, this is a job for you. Each one of us must understand from the inside out what makes gravity in a vortex. If we got that, we got everything. So, so, so what, what we're looking for in the first couple slides here is, look, you all know that when Schauberger made a vortex, of water. It was piezo-doped water. It had mineral in it, you know, and it started to implode. It spontaneously got colder, and then it actually generated voltage from gravity. Now, the geometry of that vortex, think of it as a stack or a cone. Ideally, you know, the 60-degree cone that embeds dodeca, e ecosa dodeca, the star mother. Well, that is a particular 
extended stack or cone of charge waves, which are uh, enabling collapse. Now, or implosion, essentially. Now, if you take my equation, we prove that this is literally, and we have the slides, the structure of hydrogen. So now, in the center of hydrogen, you got that same vortex cone, dodecahedral ratio stellation. We proved it for hydrogen. Now you extend that same cone of collapse to a bigger cone, and the stack leads to the vortex in Schauberger's, or it leads to the stack in the Mercury vortex that's driving the Hanabu Nazi Bell of Imana. Would, Dan, quick question. By definition, the cone would have to be, by definition, the shape of the cone, because as each layer is less or more thicker or denser frequentially than the other, by definition, in, in terms of harmonics and acoustics, what you would have is you would have something lighter or denser than the opposing part that you were just observing by definition, or else you can't discern the differences between them. And that overall picture makes the cone. With And by lighter or denser, you mean the nodes of compression. Yeah, and, yes, sir. Yes. And in a sense, that's exactly what you're saying. We prove the nodes of compression, which are the electron shell radii in hydrogen, perfect that vortex stack. We can prove it now. And you extend that same vortex stack, idealized around 60 degree cone, and you get the angle of the perfect water vortex implosion. And you get the angle of the perfect vortex implosion in the mercury it's actually iron powder dope red mercury in the uh, Hanabu Nazi bell, which is how the first, uh, obviously, the, the Nazi uh, dark fleet flew. So in each case, if you understand why that vortex was imploding and spitting out a gravity wave, you had everything. You had the answer to perfected charge collapse and therefore implosion. And Einstein himself announced perfected charge collapse was the solution to your unified field. And now all the physics of consciousness people have officially announced perfected charge collapse is the nature of consciousness. We don't know, we just don't know what makes charge collapse. Oops. So that's the that's where we want to start today's slideshow, actually. Uh, are you seeing my slides here now? Yes. Okay. Now, the other thing, while we're on the subject, what's really important, notice on the bottom right, I changed my hair haircut today to, I wanted to change from the Jesus uh, St. Germain effect more toward the Obi-Wan Kenobi effect. I don't know if I did. I but, like it. I like yeah. it. <laughs> All right. No, no, that was a joke. So <laughs> the, the title of today's conversation, Empowering Physics for Our Star Trek Future, Warp Impulse Stargates. And that leads to the physics of Enki's returning grail in the blood. When the blood can implode perfectly with bliss, that's the real meaning of the returning grail in the blood. And it's the same vortex cone geometry. That's, that's where we're going with this to have a detailed science. So for impulse power, we're going to be talking about mercury, iron powder, plasma, vortex, vortex, spitting out the longitudinal wave, which Bearden said is the stuff of gravity waves. And for warp propulsion, we're going to talk about a phase conjugate pump wave in a helical quartz crystal, which causes that implosion. What's called warp is actually the tendency to implode the charge lines of space. And when Einstein said space-time is bent, we actually think that's not very helpful. What's actually bent is simply the direction of propagating lines of charge. And the reason that bends time, for example, is time is only a name for relative rate of spin, only. 
So the reason time speeds up when you accelerate a simple part of the vortex spins towards center like the ice cage is speeding up. So it's when you said time speeds up, you all you meant was spin accelerated. That's all you mean. And time reversal, we'll see how negentropy is really only meaningful definition. Anyway, so for we have Kosky Frost as our example from Bill Donovan, now Elizabeth Donovan's book, Glimpses of Epiphany, and we have slides. So we have pictures of all of these things. And then what's called the med bed in the Star Trek, we have pictures of therify.net rejuvenation plasma. And for stargates, we have the pictures from um, Ophana Minokian, et cetera, et cetera. So just to say that this conversation is an extension of our uh, six or more conversations with Elena Danan. We had probably nearly a million views on just those in which we introduced these ideas, how UFOs fly, how stargates and portals work. And so we're kind of waving to Elena Danan's wonderful group today. And our climax is also Elena's, which is, well, what did Enki really mean when he said the grail is returning in the blood? So just to, uh, this particular lecture is also our announcement. FractalU.com is reborn. <laughs> and the courses begin on January 8th, every Sunday evening, 8 p.m. Paris, 2 p.m. New York. There will be a free FractalU.com course. Check it out, the 2023 FractalU.com course calendar. And also this uh, lecture is a, <laughs> a review of what is our JediSchool.science as we, in the curriculum at JediSchool.science, we said a Jed Tower in Egypt was a plasma projector. And so the raising of the Jed when Luke Skywalker went deep, deep, deep underground was literally his, his blood plasma became plasma projective. And we're going to talk about how that was measured, boson 7, microchloridians micro in the blood in terms of bioplasma and... Um, plasma life in the blood and how that's measured. And so this was the, you know, the Star Trek history where the letters used to make the movie Star Trek actually are directly from the Ophain and Minokian. And we published the spiral hypercubic symmetry thereof. And all they do is they make this vortex. That's what they do. So what is a stargate? It's a place where the waves can converge and be accelerated because of implosive conjugate compression. So if we knew, and we've seen this slide before, if we knew what made a, a vortex, a plasma cone collapse, then we'd know what ghosts do after death. We'd know how tornadoes are steered. We'd know how plasma heals. We'd know the origin of angels, living plasma. We, we'd know where you cannot and go, where you can and cannot go during lucid dreaming. Dan, can I just thank you, by the way, I, I promise not to interrupt you anymore. I just want to thank you because I've been doing a lot of self um, self learning or, you know, attempting to do so by looking at, at a lot of the literature from the 1800s up until today, um, in various forms, uh, you know, particle physics, electrical engineering, and Seriously, Dan, I just want to thank you so very much because the more I learn on my own, the more and more your presentations like glam out to me as a form of clarity. So I just want to thank you so much because it's it's really it's beautiful. So thank you. Well, and, and Dave has made some great fr friends in in high places on this physics as well. We're going to have more fun on this. Yeah. So you can learn how intent arises in black holes. You can how you learn how your brain's plasma tornado sees without eyes. You can learn the physics uh, origin of concepts of God and heaven. God is that big domain, dominus viscum. You can know what, learn what orbs and elementals are. You could learn how alchemy as isotope transition, L-E-N-R, is charge collapse. You, and that becomes the alchemy of the soul, where spin-dense communion, like when 
Danyan Brinkley survived lightning or in Kundalini. It's very similar. You could learn why the implosion fractal conjugate point is the center of gravity of all mindfulness. So this is this is a new slide here. So we, we were just joking that the emperors of physics seem to have no clothes on. Uh, Einstein said infinite non-destructive charge collapse is the solution to gravity in the unified field. Wigner and von Neumann specifically said consciousness causes wave function collapse. Now, Penrose and Stuart Hameroff, we're going to be talking about his microtubules, consciousness leads to the collapse of the wave function. Ah, but if you ask any one of them what causes wave collapse and therefore consciousness and gravity, implosion, negentropy, and all centripetal forces, is exactly like asking them what causes objects fall to the ground. You get a blank stare. Oops. <laughs> no one wants to admit that there's a naked elephant in the room. And that naked elephant is the physics that phase conjugate fractal charge implosion is the only perfected non-destructive wave collapse and precisely how charge vorticity, a conjugate caduceus, hint Hermes, translates transverse to longitudinal or scalar EMF, the only physics of gravity waves, action at a distance, and how consciousness propagates. Quantum entanglement is phase conjugate, conjugation embedding perfected. You know that in physics, if you ask how action at a distance works, they say you start with entanglement and then you use an Einstein-Rosen bridge. Well, that's good, except what is perfected entanglement? Oh, it's perfected embedding, which is the problem phase conjugation solves. When you said Einstein-Rosen bridge, Dan, sorry, you're talking about ER equals EPR, that whole thing? Perfected wormhole right. physics, yes. Yeah. Right. That's, it, and Einstein came up with a language without an actual topology, which we say is phase conjugation. So not one of the naked emperors of physics would even admit that consciousness is electrically centripetal, even though it's been measured many ways, as in Bill Tiller, Conscious Acts of Creation. This is uh, Wigner and uh, von Neumann saying consciousness causes wave function collapse. Sabine Hassenfelder has been talking about this. It's very useful. And then she nicely draws the parallel. She says, oh, Penrose and Hameroff. They say their argument is different. They say that the collapse of the wave function leads to consciousness. Oh, nice. Do they, do they say what causes collapse? No. <laughs> and then you have this whole series of articles also related to Stuart Hameroff. And we're going to talk about his microtubule he says it's a mechanism of consciousness. And there's some truth to that because the microwave conjugation inside the microtubule is actually how you build a double cone of mitosis, which is a phase conjugate phenomena. And yeah, that's so great. Sorry, on the, could you head to the, 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 sorry, could you head to the previous slide? I'm, I'm in complete agreement with everything you're saying here. I just wanted to see. So Penrose and Hameroff are arguing a completely different uh, proposal, which is that there is that the collapse of the wave function leads to consciousness, not that consciousness. Oh, <laughs> is the tail wagging the dog or is the dog wagging the tail? Either way, they don't know what causes the wagging. Right, right, right. right. I got you. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Because uh, this leads to a lot of the stuff that I'm pursuing privately that we discussed privately about there being, you know, a vacuum behind the vacuum and ether behind the ether. And what's the stem cause? Well, we could, anyways, we'll talk about that privately, but. Well, and, and this leads nicely to, you know, the, the vacuum behind the vacuum or the implosion behind the implosion. So how did the plasmic plasma vortex becomes self-aware, obviously it was non-destructive and recursive self-re-entry, defining not just consciousness, but phase conjugate implosion in general. And that's the idea where we answer the question of, you know, how does the wave collapse happen, the implosion in the plasma happen that causes consciousness in, and gravity?
So this is the, the central slide from you know years ago. Where I was actually at uh, Jonathan and Dolly Implosion Research Lab, uh, Plymouth, UK, and so they had a flat fifty thousand RPM, ideally gold impeller at the bottom, and the walls should be of a high, uh, well, in this case, silver or, or gold, uh, and the water needs to be super pure and doped with uh, a, a trace mineral uh, piezo like uh, you know really good quality rock powder. So you have the right piezo now. That vortex, when it spins, will the actually area around the vortex will turn blue with blue light, implodes, it spontaneously gets colder. And if you set it next to a muddy body of water, small body of water, the water will start to purify. The water that's will good. actually... Sorry, that's your blue. I think that's your blue shift of lattice ion coupling ionization. You're creating distilled purified water. We, it, that's one of the things you're creating, many things. And the blue had a UV component, obviously. The point is, it was the reason it spontaneously got colder, and the reason there was a voltage difference called electrical pressure difference between the widest part and the narrowest part. That voltage difference, where you get gravity, where you get voltage from gravity using implosion, as we say, why Hitler wrote Schauberger the check. Um, is So now, if you could begin to think about the stack of enabled wave collapse down that perfected spiral vortex cone. Why did it start sucking, really sucks, electrically towards center? If you could think about that in your own head and visualize why and how that worked, then really that's the whole point of the rest of this conversation. So here's where we did. We applied the same physics to this geometry of hydrogen. Uh, my published equations, you've all seen, I've talked about it so many times, that the three radii of hydrogen primary are integer golden ratio exponents times Planck because the structure of hydrogen is this picture. It is literally the perfected vortex cone. And that is how hydrogen makes gravity. That is a smoking gun because the accuracy of my original new equation there, Planck times exponents golden ratio, is off the charts. It's like 99.99% accurate, meaning this is not a coincidence, dear physicist. No, this is proof that hydrogen is perfectly fractal, and that's how and why it makes gravity. And it's the same cone. That's that same cone we just saw Schauberger was using, except it's smaller. Now, if we stack that up later, we're going to actually see the grail in the blood. So this is just to show the background literature. I developed that equation standing on the shoulders of Raji Hayrovska, who had actually published those hydrogen radii as being golden ratio to each other. And my addition to the literature was to discover that they were also golden ratio multiples times Planck at the center. So he didn't know they were golden ratio towards center because he didn't know to use Planck, which is the tuning fork. For Dan, can, I just add, can I just add, you're also describing it, it, as I interpret it, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Bearden's interpretation of fission and fusion, this idea that what we call mathematics is just a game of perception and fission and fusion is a matter of just switching that hydrogen element of if you're splitting it or if you're collecting more of it from the external ether. So yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. Well, clearly, we are also saying here that if you knew how to use longitudinal conjugate microwave interferometry to implode a longitudinal node with a microwave, you could do the plasma containment that is the holy grail of cold fusion. But if you don't know what cont does, does containment at a distance, which is called longitudinal coherent interferometry, usually microwave, then, of course, you can't do heat containment and you don't have the grail. And by the way, the Russian scientists that knew 
the German scientists that knew went to Russia and not the USA, and that's why the, the Navy ships had been embarrassed. And therefore, therefore, there's no exothermic reaction, so you're stabilizing disequilibrium, right? Yeah. Well, you're en enabling a centripetal node in a longitudinal right. array. The geometry of that array is like this picture, clearly. Right. And so... And, and but then and that's the still points obviously and that is heat containment at a distance that is action at a distance longitudinal coherence sometimes called scalar and that is the answer to almost every spiritual mystery of how did that saint do this and that and the other thing with their dreaming well if you understood the physics of coherent longitudinal interferometry then you have a clue to the grid and all that fun stuff but just to uh, restate the point the reason that vortex in hydrogen or in water or in DNA, or in the warp engine, or in the mercury vortex, the reason it made gravity was down that implosive cone, the adding and multiplying of charge wavelengths is recursively constructive because of golden ratio of practicality perfected, self-similarity perfected. But also, as those charge nodes interfere constructively, which only golden ratio allows recursive adding and multiplying, the phase velocity of the charge wave node adds and multiplies recursively constructively. And that produces acceleration towards center from only this geometry of compression. And so, that, is the, that is the stated answer to the problem Einstein died without solving, right there. The adding and multiplying of the phase velocities took a portion of that charge compression and turned it into charge acceleration toward and through center. And you're taking what's called publicly in the domain angular acceleration, but you're essentially taking angular momentum acceleration and incorporating it tune to Planck in combination with some of the potentials and some of the observable, uh, we could say, particles that are fluctuating. Yes, tune to Planck is especially the right word. And one word, language we use to describe just what you just said is called optimized translation of vorticity down that optimized cone wherein as the transverse wave approaches on the left and enters the perfect vortex cone, a portion of its inertia traveling down Hermes caduceus called phase conjugation emerges out the squirt gun nozzle, which is called Planck, and has been converted from an up and down transverse, which will not produce co implosive compression, never. Transverse wave bouncing towards center will never make it implosive. You ask any of the scientists who designed the first atomic bomb, it was called atomic implosion because it had it was used the longitudinal component of the wave. So when that wave arrives at the Planck threshold, it emerges from the squirt gun tuned to Planck as a longitudinal or compressional or sometimes called scalar wave, which Vort, um, Bearden proved is the physics of gravity waves. And you interfere those at a distance and you can create a standing wave node at a distance and heat containment at a distance. And you can do the physics of action at a distance. Lucid dreaming is just one example or remote viewing. So that is the specific answer to how that vortex cone, whether it was a water vortex, a mercury vortex, or a hydrogen center vortex, how that wave... The, the longitudinal array is like a sensitive array of compression nodes, remember our model, and those nodes um, can generate inertia through the squirt gun to the more coherent longitudinal only if the arriving pressures have the correct symmetry. And that is the answer to why you must have four 
well, two and four lasers in a perfect four-wave mixing cube in order to phase conjugate. You have to get those arriving pressures perfectly symmetric to spit out that longitudinal to make a way through the center hole. And by the way, the, the fact that Raymond Chow's measurements of speeds faster than light center around golden ratio 1.618 times C, the speed of light, is another smoking gun proving I am right that the way the charge gets through the center into a longitudinal wave is the golden ratio. And that is actually proven by Raymond Chow's faster than light velocity. So this is called per the perfect flame. The fire does not, the fire that does not consume perfect implosion generates no heat. The reason the heat goes away, which is the definition of neg entropy, is the fact that there is an increased order in the implosive collapse path through center. And the measurements of neg entropy in the phase conjugate optics is only the beginning. I invented phase conjugate magnetics, a lower frequency phase conjugation, which Elizabeth Rauscher agreed with me. And there's phase conjugate audio. There's all phase conjugation is in many spectra. It's basically implosion. And the fact that it creates suction through to the center is the reason that this reduces heat because of net increased order. So this is physicists cannot answer the question of what's happening in the phase conjugate mirror to make phase conjugate optics. They don't know. They only know it works. Well, we just answered what's happening. And we'll talk about that more in the phase conjugate dielectrics. Uh, we have animation. So this is just what a tr transverse wave looks like. And this is what a longitudinal compressional wave looks like. We always use the metaphor. The longitudinal wave is the 600 mile an hour tsunami that went under the boat and the boat didn't know it went by but it came, became transverse or up and down when it hit the cone of the seashore where the, the longitudinal wave went, instead of being compressional, it went up that cone. And now it's going up and down when the tsunami hits the coast and that's a transverse wave. <laughs> so, it, but it, you know, every wave has a compressional and a transverse component and the ratio of the amount of inertia that's transverse versus longitudinal has to do with the orderliness of the array. And the compression to get into the, that orderly array is the necessary physics for successful death and bliss and lucid dreaming. For the, Dan, I'm so, I'm so sorry. Does this speak to chaos in terms of negative elements, whether physically or otherwise, trying to constantly butcher such an array, literally creating chaos and, and not creating that beautiful self-implosion? I, I mean, you know, they say that evil is live spelled backwards. So so if you L into the I of phi, if you turn the L into the I of focus V, live, L into the I of phi, that's to live. Now, if you turn that inside out and go backwards and turn out of the angle of embeddability, that's called evil, which is simply failure to embed. So in effect, what we're saying is evil is... It's not so much an illusion, it is a temporary phenomena because any wave that fails to embed will ultimately self-cancel. That's why pure intention ultimately determines the life of the wave because the shareable wave, perfect shareable wave is the fractal longitudinal. So this is just a graphic, it, it would, as it in the physics literature showing how lasers have to meet to phase conjugate, we're going to see this later in the grail in the blood. It's basically a vortex octahedron. It's called four-wave mixing in physics, but it's the same as the sacred four directions. And we'll see later that's the physics of Agnihotra. And note also the golden ratio in the vortex cones. So we have many pictures of this. We've, you've seen these slides many times. So this is the 
perfected adding and multiplying. You've seen, you can see these in our other videos. And most of you know the equations that then I then published. This is from fractalfield.com slash conjugate gravity. So you take this Planck, keep multiplying by golden ratio, perfected fractality phase conjugation, and you get three hydrogen radii, ADP, the exact two frequencies of photosynthesis, the definition of sacred dimension, the British foot, you get the Schumann harmonics, the brainwave harmonics, the earth harmonics, you get the LF, HRV, Mayer wave component of the breath and the heart, most important frequency in the blood. You get the Venus year, earth year, galactic year, processional year, et cetera, et cetera. So these frequencies and wavelengths are on the line called Origin of Negentropy, the title of my book. And these are just some of our publications. Here, we just took the Klein-Gordon equations and proved golden ratio is the generalized wave solution to constructive interference. That in itself is the answer to Einstein's dilemma, because he knew that infinite constructive wave interference was the solution. He just didn't know what a fractal was or didn't know the golden ratio is the generalized solution to fractality and constructive wave interference. It's obvious in mathematics, fractality is the solution to compression. It's kind of a shock that physics never figured out that golden ratio fractality is the solution to electrical compression. This is just Tom Bearden's, we just showed the book. So he's showing that not only is the longitudinal wave, the physics of gravity waves in action at a distance, it's also how you make plants grow. <laughs> Universities are now buying therify.net to make their plants grow. The same reason that they're one of the main reasons for sacred stone circles was to make plants grow because <laughs> you create that compression wave and a seed is dead unless it really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is my old slide here about the symptoms of Einstein-induced insanity, not having a clue why objects fall to the ground, thinking the speed of light is a speed limit, thinking it takes infinite energy to go through the speed of light, thinking all action at a distance is spooky, not having a clue what the ether is made of, it's a compressible superfluid called charge, incorrectly and weirdly believing space-time is somehow bent, it's only the charged lines of compression that are bent, and not understanding that both mass and time are both created and defined only and simply by the inertia and period of charge rotation. So this is old. And then and Tesla, you know, we're not picking on these people. By the way, these people made the most incredible contributions to culture. Clearly, we should not pick on them. No, but they're also being absolute geniuses. They made a few huge mistakes. And if you don't make huge mistakes, you, you probably didn't have any fun. So we're not picking on these guys. <laughs> But, he, you know, huge mistake. He picked 60 cycle. The frequency at which the voltage required to stop the heart is lowest. This is horrible. And the countries that discover 50 cycle have a shot at carbon nano industry. The 60 cycle countries, they're toast. Sorry, America. You know, and so this and he also didn't understand the physics of, of action at a distance was longitudinal interferometry. That's why his power without wires didn't work. He didn't have the longitudinal node and he didn't have the frequency recipe. So this is what we talked about. Efficient plasma containment was longitudinal interferometry, the holy grail of fusion research, because now we could contain the heat. And so this is just showing that there's other literature showing that this frequency signature, which we now know we're using 29 and 47 hertz in Therify to trigger lucid dreaming. Lucid dreaming is to enter that array we're talking about, obviously. And Therify.net is famous for triggering lucid dreaming. We know why. It's the same thing that triggers memory through death and remote viewing. It's all the same physics. It's implosive compression. So here is, a, you know, 
clear reports, we can help trigger lucid dreaming because we know the frequency signature. And here is other physics literature saying the same thing. We can trigger lucid dreaming. And they even publish their frequencies very close to ours. Of course, they don't have a clue why those frequencies make lucid dreaming, but it's because it's phase conjugate compression. And so that's why the Sufis say only love bends light, therefore only love create. Mass is created by the centripetal force of perfect conjugate fractal embedding, LO5. So it's actually true that only love embedding bends the light, therefore only love creates. You could do the physics for the Sufi koan. <laughs> so this is our Therify.net, and everybody has seen these pictures. So we're using this plasma system for rejuvenation in 25 countries and creating plant growth. And we always say, <clears throat> You know, that we should, the medical association should not apologize that they did not know what their logo was for, but actually it's true that the two opposing caduceus cones is actually a map to what's happening in the plasma between the two tubes of the plasma, the therify. And we know now that the actual plasma tubes, which are called the Egyptian light bulbs, are not light bulbs at all. They are raising a shem unto the Lord, a black hole shem in which the chief problem of the Anunnaki was accelerated aging. To eliminate that aging, they would build a Shem unto the Lord, which we now know is a phase conjugate, mis mistranslated to say, altar in the church. The altar is actually the name for the phase conjugate field, which reduces aging. That's what a Shem unto the Lord is. Uh, uh, um, and uh, Zachariah Sitchin talked about a Shem as a high word firestone, but actually now we know it's an implosive capacitor. So this is what raising a Shem unto the Lord. And this is the logo for therify.net. And these are the, we use phase conjugate RF at about half a million volts. And then we use phase conjugate optical noble gases. And then we use this phase conjugate infrasound, all braided, embedded, imploded, at 180 degrees out of phase. And these are the exact frequencies we use from my equation times Planck. And these are the frequencies Antoine Priori used, 8, 10, 32, and 80. So when I saw that Antoine Priori used four of the key frequencies from my equation, he got them from Tesla and Lakowski and Reif. They didn't have my equation, but they were damn close. <laughs> but when I saw that there's four frequencies from pure Planck phase conjugation in Antoine Priori's recipe, having healed thousands of cancers documented by the French government, I said, hmm, maybe we need to build this thing. <laughs> Except Priori did not know what phase conjugation was. He didn't know that you needed a pair of opposing tubes in order to conjugate. They had no, to your, to your point, Dan, they, they genuinely didn't know. They, I think they were actually enthralled in terms of like, they, they, they weren't sure what was causing it. They knew that something was right. successfully occurring, but they didn't know the source, the transition of it, all of that. They were getting dramatic seed growth, lentils growth. They were healing all kinds of things. They was doing all kinds of fabulous stuff. But they, you know, he spent millions building every one of them and didn't have a clue of the pure principle. Although, you know, Lakowski and Reif were close by experiment in getting the right frequencies. But then with the equation, we could perfect that. And that's what Therify.net is. And here now is dramatic success in seed growth and plant growth and fertility triggering from our plasma system. The German university uh, just bought a Therify specifically to make plants and seeds grow. So the other part of this, not only are we triggering lucid dreaming, but... Um, Jean-Charles Moyen, the famous secret space program survivor and our friend and Elena Denon's friend, uh, we got together and we made a film documentary with him. He did the homework to measure 
his brainwaves with the flameandmind.com. Uh, and here's the plot. We have golden ratio in blue and gold and octave harmonics in red from alpha in green to gamma at the top. And that latter golden ratio and octave harmonics in a cascade from gamma, about eight hertz up to, uh, I'm sorry, from alpha around eight hertz up to gamma around 40 hertz. That ladder of frequencies is the same we got for kids who could see without their eyes, except the amplitude was off the charts. Patrick had to turn down the game. And just at that moment, before his lucid dream became a portal, and he bilocated with many witnesses many times, and we measured his brainwaves while that was happening. And then he said, in one eye, I could see where I was in bed, and the other eye, I could see where I was going on the beach for a minute. For, so for one minute, he was doing this turning inside out in the vortex. Could we could we compare, Dan, for, for practical relation for the audience? For example, this idea of, is the dog wagging the tail or is the tail wagging the dog? Both, but neither. <laughs> Speaking to the eye example. Well, you, you know, we, we think that Jean-Charles Moyen was abducted when he's young because he had this talent, extreme brainwave coherence, ability to literally electrically turn inside out. And that co extreme coherence in his example, which is literally by location with many witnesses, came back from that beach with sand between his toes and there were witnesses and bottles of water. I mean, he has by located. Absolutely, it's clear. And we measured how he did it. And it ain't a mystery. No, that longitudinal coherence went through that center node and entered an array. And note, he came out at the beach where a longitudinal wave is very enabled. We also would say that this is more enabled at sunrise, sunset, solstice, equinox, et cetera, where magnetic lines cross. So you can access that array better if you know how the longitudinal array is working. And it's and interesting, this, Dan, you say beach, because beach, there's a lot of water waves, very similar to that of the, the theory of uh, to yourself and a couple of others. Um, I think of Pudoff and some others with this idea that what we call the ether is just an electromagnetic fluid that operates in the sense of just like water waves flow. Well, that you, that's off, often repeated. And Nassim Haramin got that part right also. He right. said the charge ether is behaves exactly like a superfluid. And that's a very useful metaphor. But even more so on the beach, the longitudinal longer waves are more enabled. And the magnetic conductivity and the dielectric, all the cool stuff. You know, beaches are sacred because of the magnetic permissivity, obviously. So we're saying that that center point where that wave turned inside out is where the compression waves got access to that superluminal nodal array of longitudinal interferometry, that turning inside out point, like how John Dee communicated with nature spirits and ghosts by using scintillation. And he taught some of that when he did the uh, Newport Tower design uh, and also the physics of scrying, which we're gonna talk about when we get to the how the Olmec communicated with their ancestors with the right kind of mirror. It's longitudinal interferometry. So this is just background on flameandmind.com. Here's me making five harmonics in golden ratio and having wonderful bliss. However, <laughs> I'm pretty lousy at making the high frequency gamma and I'm not so good at lucid dreaming yet. <laughs> so I even know what I have to learn in order to get there. I got to climb a little higher on that ladder. <laughs> So this is uh, showing how we measure peak perception. We measure the 
the front, the rear brain in white, which need to be dominant over the front brain in black, which to have the what's called in the flow, which is a sports term for meaning the mediation of the responses right back in the the uh, the reptilian brain stem is doing the fast response. So the response is faster if the rear brain is dominant and the front brain is actually. Uh, in the background, that's when you have that rapid response time. And that also is related to the physics of bliss because it's a rear brain dominant phenomenon. So here we're just showing that my equation for those harmonics here, 30 Hertz, 1911, this is my equation, Planck-Golan ratio. That corresponds exactly to the sacrocranial harmonics, the breath harmonics, the brainwave harmonics, the Schumann harmonics, and this is all in our physics of Kundalini literature. So that same implosive cascade, brainwave, breath, heart, uh, the low frequency, the infrasound, uh, Schumann, it's all the same cascade of perfected charge collapse. And that's absolutely the physics of bliss. So I sponsored Mei Wan Ho's lecture in, in Amsterdam, in Netherlands, and they published this great paper. Mohammed Al-Nashi is famous for golden ratio physics. It is space-time fractal and quantum coherent in the golden mean. It's a beautiful paper. It's highly useful, except for one minor little detail. They didn't mention the reason golden ratio conjugate fractality is the origin of all space-time self-organization. So they got it right. Golden ratio fractality is how space-time is organized. They didn't have a clue to why, because not just enabling centripetal force, enabling negentropy, and enabling gravity. So this is our original work on the electrical origin of the heartbeat and that physics of compassion, turning yourself inside out recursively, uh, is actually the same physics of non-destructive self-reentry. And, this, and is the, this is the coolest stuff I've ever seen now that I can make correlations to what... Uh, you know what we're doing what i'm doing with my own private research and and all that this is this is this is the most exciting stuff ever <laughs> well thank you and so uh, I, we just tried to assemble all of these ideas into one visually compelling series so here's the seven circuit cretan minoan labyrinth which is turning inside out perfected and when you put that on the land obviously you teach magnetic lines to turn inside out and this is where we created that, that map to the origin of Hebrew, Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalit, the same self-organizing spiral on the same seven-color donut map. And that sequence of the seven turns of the seven spins inside the tetra is the physics of the heart muscle and the seven stages of invagination in Steiner. And you've seen that uh, the drop here will self-organize. And when the drop, uh, the ink drop, as it were, toroid, uh, 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 desegregates. It desegregates in, dedifferentiates into exactly seven smaller toroids. The seven spins of the tetra defined. Isn't that cool? There you got seven smaller. I just thought that was so much fun. So that becomes the seven layers of heart I, muscle. Dan, if I may, uh, very quickly, if I can add to that that beautiful uh, description and, and visual you're giving there about how it splits into seven. And this can this goes right back to what you were saying from the very beginning about how if one understands even one angle of any of this, you can then com complete the rest by nature, by definition. If one took, now this is a little bit more um, for the advanced audience, but if one took... Um, the, the electric permittivity, magnetic permeability of the vacuum or the ether, and whichever numbers those variables represent in any context or function, if you took the two, multiplied them together, 
square rooted the result and then inverted the square root result, you have the precise speed of light within any given yes. context, which is incredible because from that speed of light, there is by definition something from nothing and one's organic intent can then drive what we're seeing here in your presentation. I mean, essentially this, the speed of light is the charge distribution efficiency of the vacuum in general based on the permittivity, the natural resistance of the vacuum. So the vacuum is just ringing like a giant bell and the physics of how permissive it is to that ring determines the speed of light and the Planck dimension, <clears throat> which is the musical key signature of every wave, you know, for a billion light years in all directions. This is just saying, you know, the physics of parthenogenesis was the capacitance delivered by the sperm, you know, that, that women can have kids without men. It's not, it happens also in Kundalini cases, and it's common. Isn't, it, isn't it interesting? This is quite similar to that of a behavior or function of an RLC circuit. Resistance, inductance, capacitance, yeah. yeah. Recursive turning inside out, which a measure of resistance, which is a measure of spin, obviously. So this is the seven, well, it's actually six letters, but if you take the word Bereshith, the first word of the Genesis Bereshith, in the beginning, Faber Dolive more correctly translated from, uh, he was at first in principle, the origin of thingness uh, in uh, Faber Dolive's um, Hebraic tongue restored. So, which turns out to just to be the sequence of turns, turnings inside out to turn inside out on the surface of a donut, the sequence of turns of mind to turn inside out. So if you looked at the outside of this spiral, you'd see the letter B. If you get, just use that spiral and, and the donut was gone, just the spiral. And then if you walk one seventh away the center, the next, and then looked towards center, you'd now see the Hebrew letter resh. And then when you finish that traverse, rhythmic traverse as it were, you'd then be on the inside looking out and you'd see the letter hey, and you would have turned yourself inside out on the surface of a torus. And that's at first in principle, the origin of thingness, the physics of creation, recursive turning inside out. And so the longitudinal wave is that compression node. And we've been through this slide before. What's that? I had this discussion, I think yesterday or the day before, what's that, that, um, that, that ribbon called? that that technique where you mobius mob there we go mobius strip yes, yes. there we go yeah yeah it's it's a, it's it's a, it's it's not just a mobius it would theoretically be the perfected mobius yes exactly and so here um if we look at the physics between brainwave hemispheres, we see that there are others uh, and I've worked with Stephen Lehar he's a great guy who have published papers on the generalized theory of perception is based on the physics of a phase conjugate mirror. <laughs> it's a beautiful work. And actually he's saying it's because the brain um, auto senses boundary conditions in a way that only a phase conjugate mirror could allow. He calls it a reverse grass fire algorithm. Well, if you're bouncing from the center to the, the boundaries of an array, that's a reverse grass fire. And how do you bounce there and back recursively, constructively? It's literally how a phase conjugate mirror works. And we'll see later how the Olmec phone, telephoned their ancestors using phase conjugate mirror to communicate with a longitudinal array. And so this is more on optical phase conjugation. Also then on the physics of why there are six primary colors it's literally because it's the six vortex possible cones of photon tilt angles as toroids. And this is the, the same physics, the, the eye of Horus. If you actually look at what's happening here, there's a foci at the pineal 
and it's we, you know, we, the metaphor we use is when where pine cones kiss noses, and we see that that's a quite a literal physics in terms of that burning you feel in the pineal. I felt during years of Kundalini, and a practical example: if you do this figure eight infinity walk, and I work with Deborah Lawrence, Deborah Sunbeck, who wrote the book uh, Infinity Walk. Uh, dyslexia disappears. It's it's systematic. You can disappear dyslexia. And here's how to do it. You turn inside out. Hello. <laughs> you do a figure eight cross crawl. Your, your corpus callosum gets hot. And you can feel it. <laughs> and then dyslexia is gone. Why? Because you've compressed, you've added compression to the sorting point at the cross point between hemispheres. And that's why dyslexia disappears. It's literally the origin of perspective. Could we also say, Dan, and please tell me if I'm wrong here with this example, one could argue that just like with the alleged Rife machine and all, one zapped whatever that issue was out of that particular area by definition of the pine cone. There was that, that resonant frequency that eventually with a strong enough charge, whether artificially or organically from the body, zapped out whether it's a cancer cell or whether it's dyslexia or any type of unnatural um, cause? That's right. In general, we're saying if success, if compression is successful, right. if it's centripetal, if it's implosive, it will be negentropic. And gotcha. the prime example would be therify.net. You know, hundreds of people around the world are reporting, you know, bliss experiences. 30% of them have sharpened vision. I mean, what's happening? It's a successful compression moment that enables sorting. It also adds to blood flow efficiency and it helps restore feeling in limbs that are feeling numb in many things because it is restored circulation. However, there are many issues. You have to do hydration. You know, it's, it's not a miracle cure, but the physics is real. And in fact, cold atmospheric plasma is one of the hottest subjects in modern medicine today. We just happen to say that we're the best at making atmospheric plasma cold, because if you know what negentropy is, <laughs> then you know why it spontaneously got colder. Actually, this is just sorry, Dan, if I could add very well, uh, very quickly, something from my end of things that, that I've been hearing that I can now speak on publicly because uh, a couple other scientists have now gone public with it. There has been um, there have been patents filed in this general area where they've actually named the patents of whatever apparatuses they're trying to uh, file the patent on as high temperature superconductors, but they never were high temperature. They were always room temperature, but they named it high temperature so as to not create any political controversy whether in academia or in the um in the uh, in the patent office itself so well that's i mean it's relative because originally you needed a super cold cryogenic for superconductivity and then uh, i was actually there at the presentation so you get a, a small lightning bolt down a gold monofilament or dna and you can produce a superconductor at the moment of crystallization as in Daniel Brinkley's after his near death to lightning, everyone he touched, he saw their whole life. His DNA became a superconductor. So that's an example of a high, relatively high temperature superconductor. And that's an example of the physics of bliss. Basically, if you can inhabit the lightning bolt, <laughs> the movie powder, or the physics of Kundalini, that's where the awareness, because that's where the spin density. Oh, well, not, I'm sorry, just, just to be clear, not saying high temperature doesn't exist. I'm just saying that I think there's the possibility of both, but I could be wrong. Well, what they meant was relative because originally all superconductivity was cryogenic. And then if you could do it at room temperature, that was relatively higher temperature. That would be 
one way of talking about it. yes and so they here is you know the bliss experience it's very cool i mean it gets colder i mean it's it's low <laughs> and this is our original measurements of the bliss experience what led to the bliss tuner and now flameinmind.com and notice the center when you have golden ratio audio heterodynes the location of that coherence at, is at the brain crown top so that's the physics of why our perfected binaural beat for bliss the audio infrasound for bliss flameinmind.com slash flame and sound the world's most powerful bliss binaural which is also exactly how we drive therify and quantify and plasmafire.com that infrasound in the brain produces this right here and it was funny when we first showed bob monroe and it was literally pushing people out the top of their head and he thought it was dangerous <laughs> well it is but if it's used properly it is the physics of remote viewing and this is when in the the mind mirror when they actually first measured golden ratio in brainwaves they they depicted the golden ratio accurately but they didn't know it was golden ratio but they called this uh in personal spiritual awareness was the geometry of brainwaves of bliss in the original mind mirror literature so there's a lot of history to this and this is from the obituary of uh, andrea puharik who i knew very well and uh phyllis schlemmer came and judy scotch i think was there when he died as well and my close friend elizabeth rauscher was there and um the, the reason we want to tell a little bit of this story is introduction to the astral hygiene of when andrea puharik first communicated with atun later called Atun Tam, and later he found out it was Anki, actually, who has now returned, according to Elizabeth Rauscher. And, and so uh, Andrea is the one who taught Phyllis Schlemmer, which became the book, The Only Planet of Choice, and they all gathered. And Andrea's ability to do those first communications was actually piezoelectric. So here's what Andrea was working at the time, the infrasound to drive a device which would cause a deaf person to hear. And all he did was electrically coupled and vibrated the bone. He was literally doing piezoelectric coupling to the bone, exactly like we're doing here when we use infrasound to make bliss. Here's Andrea Poharik's fame of teaching deaf people how to hear by taking the sound and closely coupling the piezo bone. And suddenly that deaf person could hear. Oh my God. And I got, I have to show you something after we're done recording regarding this. Yeah. So, so here is Andrew Poharik studying the physics of Claire audience. And next day he's making phone calls to Enki Atun, which then becomes Enki's back, the return of the nine. So remember now, I, just to say that my teacher at the time was um, Ben Bentoff who was on the opposite side of the Arab-Israeli war and uh, with Andrea Puharik. And uh, he said that Andrea did not understand astral hygiene, actually. And there was, and but this theme of astral hygiene will recur again and again. We talk about how John Dee phoned angels, even though Michael Sarian said he didn't know his astral hygiene. <laughs> so, um, and, but so this, this, he's saying the shielded radio receiver only reveals and receives and faithfully converts if it's directly coupled to the bone. And there's actually frequency signatures here, but that capacitive coupling to the bone actually makes a piezo implosion in the brain, which replaced the need for the ear. Now we replace the need for the eyes. He replaced the need for the ear. And somehow 
this was the thing he did just before he's channeling Atun Tom Enki and the return of the nine, which became Deep Space Nine. And now Elena Danan has been visiting with Enki back on Ganymede. And so this story all started right here. And I spent many years with Elizabeth Rauscher and her partner Von, Von Bice there. And they were living with him uh, at the time of his death, as did my other friend who was there. Uh, for many years with Andrea, uh, Tom Vallone, who wrote the book on vacuum energy. So that story is all, and we can't tell that whole story right now. I'm just giving you some threads of the clue here, clue of the threads, which is if we understood astral hygiene, we could understand how that communication worked. So now our next technology that is piezo, just like Andre Puharik, we're going to deliver that infrasound now to these piezo oscillators uh, with a super dielectric media resulting in dramatic pain reduction. It's going to be called piezo fire. And look out, we have new toys coming. And this is going to be another inexpensive way for pain reduction, many other things, because centripetal force is the opposite of pain. Ooh, <laughs> the only pain you feel is the love you withhold. No, uh, pain is fractality that's broken, therefore bleeding charge. So this is the plasmafire.com, which, you know, there's medical groups in the states that are buying these 15 at a time now. They're so effective. It's amazing. And we take that same infrasound, we deliver it in the plasma, and we're finding more and more ways to do that, even more inexpensively. So this is what we're going to introduce now. The physics of clairvoyance and clairaudience is a way of coupling with the longitudinal array. John D was studying scrying and he learned about scintillation and the cam camera obscura. We saw the picture. Andrew Puharik was studying piezo capacitive coupling to bone conduction. And that's how he made his first phone calls to Tom, Enki, At and Atun, and the Nine. And Bentoff criticized Puharik and Yuri Geller, uh, astral hygiene issues. And then Michael Sarian criticized John D's macrobes. So who learned about astral hygiene? That's one of the places we want to go with this. So we're about to see um, how these phase conjugate dielectric fields, the mirrors used by the Olmec to telephone ancestors, were a super dielectric called phase conjugate dielectric. And in Alice and Peri Barium Titanate, we learned these super dielectrics, which is how phase conjugate mirrors work. They, they make phone calls at a distance. And it's revealed that a phase conjugate field will find another one at a distance and self-organize the famous paper Alice and Barium Titanate Land. So this is, they have a property. They, they, they self-organize. They return to the state of maximum order. And this is a nature of a phase conjugate. Remember, dielectric is just a name for how efficient the media is to conduct charge between the plates of a capacitor. It's literally charge distribution efficiency. So if you got super efficient dielectric, barium strontium titanate, then you can make a phase conjugate mirror. Otherwise, no, because that media enables the pine cones to kiss for charge distribution enabled. That's why you need a super dielectric to make a phase conjugate mirror work. And that's why Nostradamus had to study the coating on the bottom of his water scrying cup. And that's why the Olmec needed the right mirror to telephone their ancestors. Examples of super dielectric, shungite, moldavite, podkladnos, floating anti-gravity insect skeletons, 
uh, very interesting name, Titanate from Face Country Mirror, Nostradamus' scrying cup bottom, the Kaaba stone, which became the philosopher's stone, the projective powder, how the mad caliph went mad. They were eating their alchemist. And so this was called the Eye of Lucifer Anki. Do you see? <laughs> Eye of Lucifer Anki was the philosopher's stone, was the Kaaba stone, was a super dielectric. Hmm. And the black goo is a negative example, possibly, of this, of instant global communications, super dielectric material, Hartmut Mueller's famous instant world global telephone system. Unfortunately, he got in trouble with his investors, but the concept was right. It was a longitudinal array based on phase conjugate dielectrics, literally the physics of the Holy Grail. So this, the Grail is the point where these uh, permissive conductive fields implode their vortex. That's the point. And so this then will introduce what we're talking about, but stargates so here is Jodie Foster getting inside her dodecahedron in the movie Contact, and it turns out to be implosive capacitance. And she has a great lucid dream and meets her dead father, and the scientists didn't believe she went anywhere. <laughs> but they didn't interview John Charles Moyen, did they? <laughs> so we're getting to the idea of the Stargate now. So here is uh, the Olmec, and they walked 60 kilometers to carry these tons of rock, which was which was um, volcanic rock. And now we know why, physics didn't know why, is because of the high dielectric. And so here's the way they phoned their ancestors. There was John Dee's showstone and the, uh, the ancestral sacred mirrors of the Olmec. The reason you can phone an ancestor with a phase conjugate mirror is because it enables you to embed in a longitudinal array, which is also why that is essentially the physics of clairaudience and clairvoyance. So the same way that John Dee was looking at the scintillation point of light to do spirit and, and, uh, and, and pinhole communication with spirit entities, um, and, and we were just sort of laughing at Graham Hancock the other day. I, I love John Hancock. He thinks he's wonderful, his ancient apocalypse. And I talked to him many times when I started Gaia TV. And uh, in fact, my job there was mapping the Orion star portal on, on Giza. That's what I did at Gaia TV. And uh, But the thing that I think is hilarious is Graham Hancock is running around the world. It's like... He, Everyone's running around an elephant and thinking the elephant is different. Oh, it's a tube over here. Oh, it's a trunk over here. Oh, no, it's an elephant. And you know what he keeps bumping into? Anki. <laughs> oh, over here, the ancient apocalypse was Quetzalcoatl. Oh, over here, it was uh, Viracocha. Oh, over here, it was Iwanis. Oh, over there, it was Osiris. Oh, over here, Turkey, it was Zoroaster. <gasps> Did he know that those are all names for Anki? There are various interpretations of the same thing. Yeah. Right. So his his ancient wisdom culture in almost every single case, oops, <laughs> it's another example of Earth historians absolutely blinded by unwillingness to see extraterrestrial history. <laughs> uh, and another example is the famous last king of Thule, the Inuit, which is why almost everything in the North Pole and the South Pole is named Thule and Tahuti and the, the line of Egyptian kings, Thuthmosis, they're all named after Hermes, Ningashida. Even Tehuti later was named DWD, which is the origin of the word line of David. So not only is the line of David and the line of Egyptian king, these are all the children of Hermes. Hmm. It seems like there are many stories coming to one point. So the, the Olmec uses high dielectric, DU scintillation, Nostradamus had a coating on his cup, uh, and now the black goo is another issue, but it is a communicator. And the black cube, 
uh, incidents of the famous movies. You see these black cubes cubes in the Doctor Who episode, for example, and um, Johann Fritz has reported in the Black Cube in great detail. Most of the low Draco are infected, the high Draco not. But it is an interstellar communicator, and it is the media for something that's very vicious as well and can be. So, you know, for the good guys and the bad guys, both, you're going to need to learn what super dielectrics do, or you don't have a clue. How are you compared to Hodwanek and Ramsey measuring gravity waves with a 25 cent capacitor instead of a billion dollar LIGO because <laughs> they're measuring longitudinal. So this is a simple way to visualize. Here's Agni Hotra working. You've seen this slide before um, that you place the plas living plasma in a phase conjugate capacitor, the pyramid, copper or gold, and you do it at exact sunrise or sunset. You get four wave mixing and then your hair stands up at exactly that moment and you radiate dramatic fertility they say Bhopal survivors who use this. They say that Nagasaki, Hiroshima survivors who use this, they survived. We now know why. That's the physics. It's living plasma phase conjugating. And then recently, Victor Valona, wonderful therapy center in New Jersey, he says, I don't mean to brag, but I did this and I met the lion. Only eyes with a brilliant mane. Remember the book, Secret Places of the Lion. A lion smells for fear and therefore serves you before you enter the portal or stargate because fear is resistance to compression and therefore <laughs> he says he says i met the lion only eyes with a brilliant mane stunning and he says uh don't recommend uh, triple dog dare you though <laughs> so so this this is implosive plasma conjugation and he you know he's a therify experienced operator so he knows when therify plasma implodes so the negentropy that's called Gaia, here's the Schumann harmonics on the bottom in green and my equation in blue, obviously, this is a phase conjugate cascade that made Gaia negentropic. Gaia is proven to be negentropic. That's what Lovelock's book is about. Here is the answer to how Gaia became negentropic, self-organized, stabilized atmosphere and temperature, all those things, but also how we can return Gaia to increased negentropy. Oh, we got to retune those low frequencies, retune those long wave magnetic lines. Now we know how we could actually emerge from chaos. Wouldn't that be cool? So this slide we saw before, harmonics and, and kundalini breath heart. <clears throat> this is the implosive capacitance of, uh, of this living stupa. And this is um, how the sequence of visions at the moment of death indicates success in compression, lattice, cobweb, tunnel, spiral. And what that is in terms of implosive braiding and DNA, which leads us to our grail conversation, which is next. The physics of successful death is a symmetry exercise in implosive compression. Great inside a forest, not so easy inside a hospital. Then this is I, where the end... Sorry, if I may, and I, I don't mean to cut you off, uh, with the utmost humility and, and respect, after would we be able within, say, the next five to 15 minutes to, to, to uh, I guess, maybe wrap up part one? And I only ask because there's so much fantastic content here. I would love for my audience, at least on my end, to absorb it and then perhaps return for the next part, if that would be all right. Yeah, that's okay. Um, we'll, we'll take a few more minutes and finish part one here. That's fine. Sure. This, thank this thank is you so much. Yes, no, no, that's right. It, it, we I assembled this lecture after many months of preparing. So, um, but this is showing where the um, Aztecs and South America went for birth and death, implosive compression. This is showing those frequencies called the mid tidal 
and the long title, the frequencies of the sacrocranial spine liquid pump fit the equation perfectly. They literally, the sacrocranial pump frequencies of infrasound of the physics of Kundalini in the spine liquid pumping. And that's the whole sacrocranial healing. This is Bentoff's turning inside out implosion. The Kundalini rise starts right there. Here's the toes. And there's the map of the, that magnetic torus on the brain, the homunculus. So is it all in your head? Oh, it's both. And these are the actual frequencies heard by the meditators, the song and the blood, the sangreal. And so this is actually implosion in the brain waves. And this is going to lead us to um, the understanding the physics of compression of the Orion Stargate. But maybe you're right. Maybe we take a pause here or take a break. We call this part one. That's okay. Um, did, in fact, I'll turn off the sharing. So there's slide number 85. Stop share. This was absolutely fantastic and incredible. And please, I want to make it very clear, Dan, to yourself and to the, your audience and my audience. I wasn't asking to stop. Uh, it wasn't for time issues or anything like this. It was simply because that is so well put together. I would love at least for my audience on my end to take the time to perhaps even watch it a few times over and absorb it very avidly. And th that was, wow, wow. I was just going to ask you how long it took to put that together. And you've been saying months in the making. So that's beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Been dreaming it. And, you know, just to say, sort of tell them you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell you when you told them. So the, the last part in terms of the physics of the grail and the blood is really quite simple. So you get that recursive braiding we've shown. We have the visuals in DNA. And then if you look at where the microtubules go during the dance of meiosis and mitosis, it literally makes a double cone. So you got a double cone of microtubules. Literally, phase conjugate optics is the reason mitosis works. All those subcellular organelles can't do that dance without a guiding field. That guiding field is a phase conjugator. Now, you put that in the context of implosion in DNA and implosion in, in, in the microtubules called meiosis dance. Suddenly, you begin to get an idea what Enki meant when he said, I'm coming back with the recipe for the grail in the blood. <laughs> Nice. Oh the my God! See, because they thought the codons between the 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 producing codons of DNA, they called it junk DNA, because right. they didn't know they were making anything. But they were controlling the most important thing, which is the spacing. And right. the spacing is what allows the long wave to embed in the short wave right. in the recursive implosing implosive braiding during bliss. And that's when the implosion of DNA radiates the longitudinal and makes a soul and enables lucid dreaming. So there is a recipe to the grail in the blood. It is literally the holy grail animation, goldenmean.info slash grail. And that's where the visual is climax here of you know why we need the grail back. Right. I Well, first off, let me just say that I don't have anything to add because it, it's so well said in the way that you described it that I mean, um, I guess my additions were just throughout your presentation just to, for me to make personal correlations. But Dan, without further ado, I want to thank you so, so very much for, for coming on and for doing this presentation. Could you please let uh, my audience know where and how you could be found and if there's anything you'd like to uh, promote or anything of this type? Well, yes, of course. Our ET history is fractalfield.com slash fusion in the blood. Main index, fractalfield.com. New today, a relaunch of fractalview.com. Of course, therify.net, flameandmind.com. Uh, contact info at fractalfield.com. 
And so I'm so happy to work with you, Dave, because, you know, there were other people we started this conversation with, but you hung in there and asked the right questions because you've been meditating on this for so long. So Dave, you're the enabler here. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, Dan, thank you. If it wasn't for your my being introduced to your work, then I wouldn't have gone down this path. So thank you so very much. And please, if, <laughs> okay. if I may, um, after we both stop recording, if we could just stay on the call, I'd like to discuss some things. Sure. Okay. Blessings.